anytime you all have a moment that you're like, oh, this could be a great for banter, uh, just tell me and I'll like clap or something so that way I know what I'm doing. <laughs> just, just a complicated way of, of like. Anytime that we're having an organic moment, we should like know. <laughs> yeah, disrupted <laughs> by clapping. <laughs> we have a banter. I, I cannot promise that, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough ask. What a nice, genuine moment we just. <laughs> Whenever we have a moment of genuine connection, <laughs> I just want you to know I really look forward to this to this podcast. And <laughs> you know, uh, these are very hard times, and I just you know it means a lot getting together with you guys and talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I didn't get to eat him. Hello and welcome to Full Metal Analysts, a podcast covering each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, hosted by three writers who also hope to one day go out by being drowned by books. It's the dream. True. Hmm. My name is Michelle, and first and foremost, I just want to point out, my voice is a little congested today. Allergies. It's a thing. I deal with them. It sucks. So apologies for that, but it's going to be the same interesting show. And to guarantee that, I have here, as always, Arthur. How are you doing, Arthur? Good. I don't have any allergies at all. Well, you don't have to rub that on my face. <laughs> but yet I do. <laughs> and also with us today is Mike. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing really good today. Doing okay. I woke up a little late. I had waffles. Um, the frozen. The frozen in so long. No way. I also woke up late and had waffles. Oh, weird. That's hey, so cool. I haven't had waffles in in months. They were okay. They were they're frozen waffles. So today we're here to talk about episode seven, Hidden Truths. And as always, we're going to start off with our improvised recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will be picked at random to do a twenty-one second improvised recap of the episode's events. Mm. So we're going to spin the dice. The rules are that one is me, two is Arthur, three is Mike, and four we spin again. Time to roll the dice. Here we go. One. Ah. Uh, I just want to point out, this is the second time I was picked. Arthur has not been picked yet. I have not. The day it happens, it'll be fantastic. And I will not be ready. And go. The Elric brothers come back to a central. They find out that the library has been burned down, but they also find this girl who remembers everything. They realize that the Dr. Marker's notes say that human uh, that human souls are needed to make the Philosopher's Stone, and they go after a mysterious laboratory that has supposed to be that supposedly had done some experiments with humans to create Philosopher's Stones. All right, that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> Um, is it? I mean, I kind of skipped the whole the scar Rex subplot. subplot the scar, oh, I said on why I say Rex. Scar subplot, right? Yeah. And then, well, some homunculi try to kill Scar, but they don't. <laughs> Which is, it's such a, like, when the, when that happened, I thought, like, oh, we're going to cut back to that at some point in the episode, right? They're going to show right. Scar running away. But no, like, he just disappears. You know, how hard does someone have to hit you to knock your jacket off? <laughs> I just want to point out that there's this moment where they, they turn to, like, a crowd shot, and you see Lust and Gluttony. And mm. Lust stands out so much. Oh, like, there's I all also... These... I also thought about that too. Like, there's these like people, just random dudes, just standing there while like this, like literal monsters are next to them. <laughs> she's like this, the only one wearing a dress. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like, like this little short guy is like, "Oh man, I didn't get to eat him." <laughs> and the guy's just like, "Yup." Anyway, so yeah. they're going to someone named Father. Oh yeah, Father, huh? Father. I wonder. If- 
How monkey father and Fiore have anything to do with one another? Why do you think that is, Mike? You know, I just I don't know. Like I, I I'm starting to put it all together, and uh, you know, you watch. I was first of all, I was kind of right about like these the philosopher's stone being like you need lots of bodies to to make one. So I kind of feel like the state that they, they have they have one. They've done it before. You know what this episode reminded me of? All the presidents, man. There was like a follow the money sort of paper trail mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hamilton esque almost. Hamilton esque. What the hell does that have to do with Hamilton, Mike? It really nothing. <laughs> you just wanted to bring up Hamilton. <laughs> no, she just I really wanted don't. to use the word Hamilton esque. Yeah. <laughs> follow the money, you know. <laughs> Where in Hamilton does he follow the money? Well, he doesn't follow it. His enemies follow it to try and peg him for treason, but really he just slept around. <laughs> but yeah, speaking a little bit more about the conspiracy at hand, um, has anyone ever met any single person with this perfect memory? I feel like TV shows and comic books, they always do this whole plot where like someone has perfect memory and they can remember everything that's ever happened. And I'm like, I've I never like- met a person like that. You're kind of like that, you know. You know, you have well, but I'm kind of like that with stupid bullshit. <laughs> like I can't remember the plot of some random TV show I watched when I was 14, but I don't remember what I ate for dinner two days ago. Mm. I don't think there's. I've never met anyone with perfect memory. I've met someone with like a photographic memory in terms of like take mental pictures of like pages of a textbook or something. That's pretty cool. I don't know if it was like perfect forever, but it was enough that they could just like look at it once for a minute or so. And then it was like a recording in their head. I think there's like a This American Life about some people who are incapable, they just can't forget things. And they actually live a pretty frustrating, pretty frustrating for them. Like they. Yeah, uh, that sounds pretty terrible. Like they're upset all the time. Everything that's ever hurt them is like fresh, you know? I mean, there's a This American Life for everything, right? I'm pretty sure that we could probably find a <laughs> we could probably find a This American Life about like Ed and Al. Probably. <laughs> uh, this American Life. Today uh, we talk yeah. about uh, two brothers. I don't have to change my path. voice at all. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight on This American Life, please stay tuned. After this message, the way he says it, <laughs> I love doing that. Hopefully, we'll make some compelling radio drama. Hopefully. Stay tuned. <laughs> but you know what This American Life would never do? If you ever told This American Life about a terrifying conspiracy, they would never immediately blab about it right in front of their superior, which is exactly what Maria Ross and Denny Brosh do. And it's like, they didn't even try to pretend to not know. Oh, I know. Yeah, right away. They just broke. I mean, in the face of Armstrong, who wouldn't? I feel like anime rules are, you just never know who can hear what. That's true. That's TV rules, kind of, right? It's like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> I also thought I learned a little bit more, like, um, even more context for the kind of power in society and the place of a state alchemist. Like, apparently he has this huge research fund. He has all this money. That's pretty cool. Like, he, you know, he gave her, you know, he's basically, like, sort of funding, refunding the, the library, you know? Yeah, it's cool. And he's sort of this, like, richy rich kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's cool. It's like if a military general, instead of buying missiles, was like, I'm going to buy a bunch of books. I'm going to buy knowledge. <laughs> I love how kind Al is. Yeah, I do love that, too. 
he's a he's a great character and and to put that like really kind soul in this like very imposing body is such a a neat decision what what do you say this episode uh like dedication is a power all on its own yeah they i thought they it was really interesting like they have that that moment where they're just completely defeated like it's actually a really dark horrible sad thing like they are stuck especially for al and and, you know he's stuck in his body forever now unless they kill a bunch of people and it's like i thought it was interesting that the first thing he says is we'll just keep this a secret (laughs) i don't know i wondered like are they gonna is this on the table for them or well i feel like killing people like the last episode we've already sort of discovered that they do have moral limits of like what they will do to get their bodies back it's just a weird moment of like i guess they're not gonna you know, they're never going to be able to do this unless unless they fail and someone manages to create one of these things, you know, which oh, but even then already, it's like, is it ethical have, to use it? <laughs> it's, they're not going to cross that line. That's why I think the whole episode with Nina and with Tucker was a, a work of genius because that episode establishes like there are lines these characters will not cross. So he's just going to like, but he's saying like there's like a tr- maybe there's a truth within the truth. Well, yeah, that's what they're trying to find out. A part of them is hoping that the truth inside the truth is like there maybe is an alternative or that by uncovering how the government made their philosopher's stones, they can find out about something. It's a lot like how the technologies that eventually became the internet were first sponsored by the United States Department of Defense with the hope of somehow using it for military purposes. What's that, General? I didn't know that. <laughs> it's a picture of my cat, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's a youtube video sir uh, it's really funny people are gonna love this it's like that scene in, in back to the future it's like you guys may not like it but your kids are gonna love it yeah <laughs> the guy <laughs> so i think like this is a great moment for us to talk about the research that went into this episode mike can you tell us a little bit more about the green lion yes according to uh light perusal of wikipedia and uh quick a couple of headlines in my Google search, I've discovered that the green lion represents like vitriol, which is some kind of green acidic substance that they that they once used to destroy material around. It must be some kind of finishing material you use to shine off all the other excess unwanted matter around gold. And uh, it's like yeah. very important in transmutation for gold. And it's like, it represents like a, it's symbolically represented by a lion devouring the sun. And that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. They also bring up the Flamel's Codex, which I found out that Flamel, Nicholas Flamel, was a real person. And although he may have dabbled in alchemy, his whole reputation as the big alchemist, which is a reputation that not just Flamel alchemists, but like Harry Potter uses that. Uh, that reputation may have been invented after his death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny that like this super famous alchemist is just... Some guy, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That that happens a lot, actually, where reputations of other alchemists are much aggrandized by the alchemists that follow them. It's like that joke from Arrested Development where it's like the Guild of Magicians and they're holding <laughs> up a sign that says, we demand to be taken seriously. Yeah, like they're just like a bunch of charlatans, but from a distance, a charlatan is always better, right? I've actually read, just in college, uh, I've read like alchemical texts. And may I say, they are horrible <laughs> to read. They are, are they just are, like dense and, and garbage? Full of well, just... they, they literally are in code a lot of the time. 
Oh, really? And, like a, like uh, a cookbook code? Not usually a cookbook, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, a lot of gatekeeping, really. But there is like a lot of like mathematical codes and they, they love stuff like mathematical tricks, like like those magic squares and stuff like that. Like Sudoku. And, yeah, right? Kind of. <laughs> I think I was in Barcelona, actually, and uh, like on the big church there, there's a magic square above the door, which is like alchemy. <laughs> That's so cool. But uh, essentially, besides the fact that they're just very hard to read, because even if you did decipher it, you're deciphering Old English and or Middle English. But even at the time, it was written to be hard to decipher. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's so cool. It's such an interesting idea to have like these. To, if you find someone's, you know, a, you know, like their spell book essentially, and and you still have to decipher it, and it's like a yeah. Well, and, and they so like cool. when they read each other's work, you know. So like, there's a lot of references to other alchemists in in alchemical texts. And a lot of times also you found them like, you know, close to people of power. There was one guy named uh, John D, who was, he's a pretty famous alchemist who lived in like the 16th century. And he was like the court astronomer and like advisor to Queen Elizabeth I. He was essentially like a political advisor, but also would be would be like advising the queen about alchemy and divining the stars and bodily humors and, you know, animal magnetism and, and that sort of stuff. Is that where you click two animals together and <laughs> yeah, yeah. create a, a positive? <laughs> if, you can, if you bring a negative Electron animal and a positive flow. animal close together. <laughs> That's so fascinating to me. Uh, but, but the really interesting thing that I learned is that we now see alchemy as like a pseudoscience and have it separate from regular science like which is empirical but in reality many of the greatest scientists of the pre-modern era were alchemists also like isaac newton was an alchemist the brilliant thing that isaac newton did was he separated his empirical scientific texts with his study of alchemy so he published alchemical texts, or actually, no, he didn't publish them. That was his big thing. He kept them locked away. For example, uh, Kepler, like his text was like, it's like indecipherable. The part where it's like, oh, the earth orbits in an ellipse. That was like his key discovery. His theories were like just insane. <laughs> and what <laughs> Isaac Newton did was he pulled out the good math that Kepler did and built upon that but if you were to read kepler's work somewhere in there's like oh by the way the earth orbits an ellipse <laughs> 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 among like a bunch of like on its know, way through the house of the hedgehog <laughs> yeah stuff about like uh, how like venus pulls on the melancholic humors and stuff <laughs> it's like an early attempt at, at just trying to understand why things do things except, except the, instead of being like let's follow the scientific method they were like what if? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know why this is doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, right. Great idea, guys. Let me just pitch something real quick. What yeah, if? Let me... <laughs> that was a pretty good idea. But what if fire's mad at us? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I'm just gonna just just let me brainstorm a little bit. You know, we don't have to take it. But you you can ignore this if you want to. Yeah, I just want to brainstorm a, a little bit. Space. This is this a safe space. space. All right, what if we could create people, but actually they're little people instead of jars? Finally, something to do with all these jars of uh, boogers. Well, I I can turn <laughs> I can turn regular stones into gold. I, I bet. <laughs> I did enough. it once. I did it once. Here's the gold that I did it. To. Yeah, with with enough time and and money, my queen. <laughs> yeah. If you send me enough gold, I might be able to produce some. It reminds me of the kind of insane rules that you often get in these kinds of animes, where it's like, if you ever try to watch an episode of JoJo and try to track their logic, it doesn't make sense. It's like, <laughs> oh, I can. Like, oh, what have you done? I froze their blood. How? Well, I can freeze uh, <laughs> pee and pee equals the blood. Logically, I can freeze their blood. No, <laughs> actually, <laughs> Michelle, I think you're really, you're really like onto something there because the fictional magic systems that we have, like every other fantasy novel has its own like rules and system of magic. But these alchemist guys of history were the first guys to do that. Yeah. yeah, they just like they wrote the first magic I system. Just, they just like made up rules for magic, and like a lot of it was like, you know, secret codes. And if only you could understand it, you could unlock it. You know, they were the and first like, fanboys, right? And like, if you didn't <laughs> unlock it, then it just means that you didn't understand it well enough. Like you didn't figure it out. Before we move on, I just wanted to point out that I read, I checked out all of Marco's uh, code names for books. And here's what we got. I'm so glad you did because I also did. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thousand recipes for today's menu. Nutrient rich meat, volume two. Possible in three minutes, easy cooking. Boil thoroughly <laughs> potato dishes. Reasonable <laughs> fruit dessert. And the one that most confused me, spatchcock. That's probably the one about killing people. I miss spatchcock. My favorite was reasonable fruit desserts. <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> reasonable. You don't want to make anything too unreasonable. Yeah, the unreasonable fruit desserts are... I guess spatchcock is a cooking technique. There's there's one recipe that you can, that you can read. But we should do that one day. You can see the instructions, but not the title. Oh, we can oh, make it. I smell a bonus episode coming. <laughs> We'll pull up, oh, instead of Julie and Julia, that movie about the woman doing Julia Child's recipes, it's Marco oh. and Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Mike's following Marco's instructions. It's like I'm banished when you need him. <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> he follows the instructions and he's like, guys, I made a cake and it's a philosopher's stone. And we're like, oh my God, Mike. Mike, what did you do? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> What have you done? Do you guys want to know what spatchcock means? What, what does yes. it mean? The theory is that the word spatchcock is an abbreviation of dispatch the cock. <laughs> Meaning what? like a cock as in a chicken. Uh, oh. Huh? It's a phrase oh to... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> of course. Get your minds out of the gutter. Sorry. <laughs> A phrase used to indicate a summary way of grilling a bird after splitting it open down the back and spreading the two halves out flat. So butterflying. Yes. Why don't we just call it butterflying? Whatever. Because spatchcock is more old-timey. Time for us to get into Mikey at the bat. Oh, right on. Woo. Yeah. Uh, Mike, your previous prediction was 
they're going to look at every single book and it's not going to be the book they wanted. And at the end, they'll find the book is hidden in plain sight. Do we give like, that a do we give that something. a pass, Arthur? I think I should I think I should get something for that because it's like it was hidden in plain sight in a way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike eats half a bug. All right, I'll eat half, half a bug for this. All right, Mike, it's time for you to guess what's going to happen next episode based mm-hmm. on the title, and the title is the Fifth Laboratory. And I know that there are, there's some unsavory characters in there who look pretty upset. I don't think they're gonna have like a you know, like, oh, welcome to the fifth laboratory. Guess what? We're not bad at all. We just want to talk. And it's going to start with some kind of fight. They're going to beat them up. They're going to find out that they are not, they're somehow like reject sort of the same way that um, there was like a, a human chimera sort of thing. They're going to be like reject homunculi people that are going to have resulted from experimenting with taboo research into the philosopher's stone and they're going to find out like that there's someone in government that they should go to next but they're like a prominent or maybe there's some kind of hero or something i don't know that's my theory it's a good theory good guess all right now it's time for us to grade this episode i'm gonna start off by saying i'll give it a solid three stars i keep saying solid after every grade i do but this time i mean it it's a solid three stars but no one's given two stars yet have they like three stars is the lowest we've gone right no, we yeah. gave we gave really poor grades in the first episode. Oh, you're right. Oh, we did. <laughs> yeah, you're but I'm right. gonna give a three stars to this one. I thought it was interesting, but uh, when it came down to it, there were moments I felt like the pacing was kind of slowing down. But overall, I thought it was an interesting episode. You know, we're moving the plot along. And Cheska is a really fun character. I like her, so it's gonna be three stars. I'll also give it three. I thought, I thought it was a, a perfectly good episode. But but I thought that revelation was was cool and like i just had fun watching it but it wasn't like didn't blow me away yeah i agree i, I think it was fun i think it was there i actually laughed a lot during the episode um i think i laughed the most during this episode than any one so far just because i, I the, the library character was such a cheese ball and really funny <laughs> this one was like a little like it was like a little in the weeds it was like talking about like alchemy and how it works and stuff like that and it was very simple very small. Not a lot actually happened, you know. And um, I think three stars is cool. Like it was, it was just fun. It was like one of those episodes you wouldn't really remember that well because it's between the ones you remember. And now it's time for what did we learn? Uh, this episode, I learned one thousand easy recipes, uh, including reasonable fruit dessert and spatchcock. I did learn what spatchcock is. Uh, we all learn how to spatchcock. So go it's not exactly a life. It's not exactly a life lesson this episode, but uh, I think you know anyone should be able to to know how to cook. Anyone can cook. If you want to learn how to do more things than just spatchcock, check us out on our Twitter. It's twitter.com at fm analyst. That's <laughs> Twitter fm analyst. That's tw- twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs> twitter.com forward slash fm analysts. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you get your podcast. We're all there. Please leave us a comment if you feel like you want to leave a comment. If you feel like you have something to say, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Tell your friends if, if you're watching through the show. And maybe uh, even your dad. Or your maybe mom. even your dad. Uh, your if you're father? trying to convert someone into watching anime, now's the perfect time. 
And until next time, when we delve deeper into the fifth laboratory, stay frosty, everyone. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.